So, um, over the last 10 days, my wife and kids and I, uh, we went on a road trip to visit our families. And so, in the last 10 days, we drove nearly 3,000 miles. Um, we uh, covered at least 12 states, to my count. And uh, that means we were in the car a lot. Um, and uh, which, so, if you see me eating ramen for the next six weeks, it's because uh, gas stations got all my money. It's crazy out there. Uh, but, uh, but what it also means is that we spend a lot of time in the car, which means we spend a lot of time listening to Spotify road trip playlists. Uh, thank God for Spotify on long road trips. And so we listen to all sorts of playlists across multiple genres. And one of the things that struck me as we're listening to music across all categories of music is how many songs are written about loneliness. Uh, you got the Beatles, Eleanor Rigby. Ah, look at all the lonely people. You got Elvis, who is uh, experiencing a little bit of a renaissance right now through the movie uh, that's come out. He's saying, are you lonesome tonight? Uh, You've got Hank Williams. He's so lonesome, he could cry. Um, Then you've got, if you're an 80s kid, there's White Snake. Here I go again on my own. You know, it's a song about being alone. Uh, If you're more my generation, um, there is the Backstreet Boys, those philosophers of the late 90s. Show me the meaning of being lonely, they sang. And of all the loneliness songs, there is one that tops them all. It was uh, originally by Eric Carmen, but then made more famous by Celine Dion. And it's all by myself, don't want to be. And Celine can make you feel it, can't she? With that, uh, with that uh, voice that she has. Listen, um, it doesn't matter what genre it is. It doesn't matter what cultural background the artist is from. Uh, loneliness is a feeling that pervades all of our lives at some point. Everyone has experienced loneliness. It's a powerful feeling. It makes for great songs and great art. But when we're lonely, we know what a powerful feeling it can be. It can consume us, can it? When we're lonely, it can be an all-consuming feeling. Thomas Wolfe, the great American novelist, said that loneliness is the central feeling of human existence. And he said he wrote all his characters with that thought in mind. Over the last two and a half years, we've seen feelings of loneliness skyrocket in the midst of a global pandemic. Harvard University published a study during the pandemic that said that 36% of Americans have reported feelings of severe and chronic loneliness over the last two and a half years. And the groups most affected are young adults, 61% of young adults, and young mothers. 51% of young mothers have reported feelings, not just of loneliness, but of severe and chronic loneliness. That's 61% of our young adults, 51% of young mothers, and 36% of all of us who have felt that. And count me as one of them. Um, You know, the last two and a half years, um, many of my best friends left the city. And that's hard. That's been extremely hard for me. Uh, I've been lonely. Um, the, The problem of loneliness has gotten so bad in our culture that I don't know if some of you have read, the, uh, read about this, but the United Kingdom actually made a cabinet position in their government for a minister of loneliness to try to combat the intense feelings of, of loneliness amongst their people. And so we've been in a teaching series on the Psalms over the last several weeks titled, How to Deal with How You Feel. 
And today we're looking at Psalm 142 and we're considering the question of how do you deal with loneliness? How do you deal with loneliness? Because we all feel it and it's an all-consuming feeling. It hurts sometimes. And when we're lonely, we can hardly think of much of anything else. And so again, we look to King David to show us the way. King David, the author of many psalms, and the one we're going to look at today, Psalm 142. Um, Sometimes in your Bible, when you read psalms, you notice that above the psalm, there'll be a little bold section that has a title of the psalm, or it tells you, it gives you a little context. This one is a mascal of David. It says, when he was in the cave, a prayer. So we're given some context. This was written when David was in a cave. I'll explain that in a moment, but this is what David prayed. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. And this is what his trouble was. He says, when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. I look to the right and I see no one who takes notice of me. There is no one who takes notice of me. There is no refuge that remains to me. And then David says, No one, no one, no one cares for my soul. He says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. In this psalm, is an incredibly beautiful and poetic example of the type of discouragement that goes through each of our lives at some point or another um, when we feel lonely. In the title of the psalm, it says that it was written when David was in a cave, and this is referring to a time in David's life that's recorded in 1 Samuel 22. And at this point in David's life, David has been anointed to be the king of Israel. So David, as a young man, God said, you will be the king of Israel. But David's not king yet. So there was a period between when God anointed David king and then when he actually became king. And during that time, King Saul was the king. And King Saul started out a pretty normal guy, but then he started getting really, really insecure when he found out that God had chosen his replacement. And so he wanted to kill David. And so he was very threatened by David, and so he tries to kill him on multiple occasions. And so David, finally, he'd had enough. It's like, man, how many murder attempts can I handle before I got to get out of town? And so David flees the city, afraid for his life. He flees town. He's a fugitive from the king of Israel, the most powerful man. And David's on the run. And while he's on the run, he's looking for a place of refuge, and he runs into a cave, a place called the Cave of Adullam. Some of you who went on our Israel trip several years ago, we, 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 we passed by there. We drove by there. Um, but David is in hiding in the cave of Adullam. And while he's in the cave, he kind of comes to realization. You know, like he's running, he's frantic, he's panicked, he, he, he's, he's, he's on the run. And, and you don't, when you're on the run, you don't think of anything else. But then he finally gets to the cave. He's like, all right, I'm safe. And then he sits down. And in the silence of the cave, he kind of realizes the emotion he's feeling is loneliness. Because I'm lonely. He's cut off from everyone else. He's completely alone. He's separated from the world. He has powerful enemies looking for him. And he says, he feels like he's in a prison. This is what loneliness can feel like. He says, nobody cares. Nobody cares for my soul. 
In Psalm 102, David said, he said, I'm like an owl in the wilderness, a single bird on a rooftop. David was lonely, and he felt separated from the rest of the world. He felt all alone. And David, he's really honest about the pain of loneliness, and David has a way with words. Um, He says, loneliness can feel disorienting. He says, my spirit faints within me. Some of you know this, disorientation. Sometimes many of you know that loneliness can feel like betrayal. When you're lonely, you can feel like you've been betrayed. You can feel like you've been deserted. David says, I look to the right and I see that there's no one. There's no one who even notices me. No, no refuge remains to me. Nobody cares for my soul. Loneliness can feel like depression. David says, attend to my cry, O God, for I am brought very low. David's talking about, he, he said, my loneliness is making me feel depressed. And you can tell he's a little bit frustrated with God. When we're lonely, we can get frustrated with God. David says, I say you're my refuge, but then he says, but there's no refuge that remains to me. He's saying, God, all these things I say about you, he's like, I don't even know if they're true right now because I, I feel like there's no, I say you're my refuge, but I don't feel like there's a refuge for me right now. David, he's in a literal cave but he's also in the figurative cave of his own loneliness, the darkness of his loneliness. And many of us know exactly what that feels like. David, is, he's in a cave and he's lonely. He says, no one cares for my soul. Um, and I want to transition here a moment. I want you to know, uh, we've been going, this series, we've been talking about feelings and emotions. And there's a temptation for us. We've talked about hurt. We've talked about loneliness. and we're talking about anger. Um, there's a temptation for us to feel like feelings are negative. Uh, feelings and emotions are not negative, they're neutral. It's what we do with our feelings and our emotions that determines whether they're positive or whether they're, they're, they're negative. And we, it's easy for us to think loneliness, that is always a negative feeling. But I want you to know that God, is it possible that God has a purpose for your loneliness? Is there, is there, do you think it's possible that God created us as emotional beings that experience emotions and that he gave us these emotions so that it will send us on a trajectory? toward him. And so what I want you to see, just kind of take a little detour here, um, God has a purpose for your loneliness. Loneliness is a feeling that God can use to bring you toward him and toward others. And so if you want to understand loneliness, um, you have to define it adequately first. Um, It's easy for us to assume that loneliness is the result of being alone. Loneliness is how you feel when you're alone. Uh, But that's actually not a great definition because you can be alone and not be lonely. My wife and I on vacation this week, we dropped off our kids with grandparents, and we spent five days alone in the mountains. I didn't feel lonely one bit. Um, And we were, no internet access. We were alone, but I didn't feel lonely, right? You can be alone and not be lonely, but you can be in a crowded room and still feel very lonely. Uh, You can be on a packed subway car and feel like you're the only person in the world. You can be walking the streets of this packed city on a hot day, reminded of how many people around you and still feel lonely. You can be at a party and be lonely. You can be at a wedding and be lonely. You can be at a church and feel lonely. Loneliness is not determined by who's around you or who's not around you. Loneliness is a feeling of being isolated. Uh, I guess the simplest definition I can offer of loneliness is this. Loneliness is the feeling that something is missing. Something that you were created for, you don't have. Something has been cut off. 
whether it's connection, whether it's relationships, or whatever it might be. Uh, loneliness is the feeling of being isolated, of feeling like something is missing. And the feeling of loneliness, when we feel loneliness, I believe God wants it to send us two different directions. He wants it to remind us that we were first, we were created for other people. We were not created to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone, God said in the book of Genesis. And we'll get to that later on. But it also shows us, a, lonely, a feeling of loneliness should also direct us toward God. When we feel lonely, when we have a sense that something is missing, we have a sense that we were created for something more than what we're experiencing, that is something that should compel us toward God. See, often feelings of loneliness, all feelings really, are signs that there is something that God has placed in our heart and in our soul that we really long for that God has created us for. So the feeling of loneliness is like a hazard, a check engine light on your dashboard of your car. Uh, it alerts you that something is not right in your vehicle. Something is wrong. Um, when you have a check engine light on your vehicle, what do you do? Uh, if you're like me, you just ignore it and hope for the best, right? Um, that's not what we should do with our vehicles. And that's certainly not what we should do with our emotions either. Um, when you see a check engine light in your car, um, what you should do is you figure out why it's on. And it could be something big, it could be something small, but when you find out what it is, you can then discern how to solve the issue. And the same thing with our hearts and with our souls. When we experience an emotion, we don't cover it up. We don't mask it. We don't move on to the next thing, but rather we have to ask, what's it there for? What is it telling us? And I believe loneliness is telling us that we were created for something more. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity into our hearts. In other words, God has put a longing deep into our very souls that desires Him. Often when we have feelings of emptiness or disconnection or loneliness, it is actually our hearts trying to tell us, you want God. St. Augustine um, has a famous quote where he says, oh God, you have made us, you have created us for yourself and our hearts will be restless. It's another way of saying our hearts will feel lonely until they find their rest in you. So this is why so many of us, what we do when we experience feelings of loneliness, um, we try to satiate it with things, and, and most of those things don't work. We try to cover up our loneliness. We try to numb it with Netflix or HBO Max or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. We try to cover it up with social media and scrolling maybe casual hookups. Um, it could be alcohol or drugs. You know, during the pandemic, alcohol sales went up 246%. That's because we're lonely. We're trying to cover up our loneliness. But these things only cover up the problem for a moment, don't they? They don't solve it. Man, nobody has ever gone, man, I feel lonely today. I just watched season two of Ozark. I'm never going to be lonely again, right? But we keep going back to these things, don't we? Um, even good relationships, even the best relationships can't fully satiate the loneliness we feel deep in our hearts. Many of us think, man, if I could just get new friendships, if I could replace all the friends that moved out of the city with some new ones, I'll be fine. <laughs> I won't be lonely anymore. But we end up putting this expectation on others, and, and, and we end up feeling disappointed. When we're single, 
We think that marriage is the cure-all for our loneliness. And it may cover it up for a moment, but even the best spouse can't fill that longing in your soul. When you're married, and you, the, the, the excitement of marriage maybe has kind of run its course, and now you're like, all right, it's just the two of us. I'm a little lon- we're a little lonely. You think kids will, will solve that loneliness, but, then, but the loneliness stays. It, it, maybe you're an empty nester, and you think, I just need grandkids now, or I need my kids to move closer to home. All of these things are good and godly things, desires that should be celebrated, but those things will not cure the deepest loneliness of your heart and soul. And here's why. And so put your, we're going to go deep for a moment, um, so, so stick with me here. But here's why many of us think that, re- other, that relationships with other people is the thing that will cure our loneliness. If I'm single, marriage will cure my loneliness. If I'm married and I'm lonely, kids will cure it. If I, whatever. We think that the cure for our loneliness is someone else. Here's why that will never fully satisfy us. Um, when we look to another person to cure and alleviate the restlessness and the loneliness in our hearts, we will be, always be disappointed, and here's why. Loneliness feels like a type of hell. David said he's in a cave. He's like, this is what loneliness feels like. And if we tell ourselves that a new friend or a spouse or children or maybe a new job or new coworkers or a new fling or a new city, we say, this is the thing that will, will fix the loneliness in my heart. What we are saying is, I'm in hell, and this thing... This person will save me from my hell. And once you've said that, do you realize what you've done? You have made another person, another human being, or a situation your savior. You have asked them to give you salvation from your personal hell. And you are asking another person to do what only God can do and be what only God can be. And your spouse, your friends, your children, as great as they may be, if, you're, if the whole reason for their existence is to cure all your loneliness, you are putting a heavy expectation on them that will crush them. They were never meant to be your personal Lord and Savior. And you will crush them if that is your expectation of them. You'll end up disappointed. You'll end up disappointed. So again, God gives us feelings of loneliness, and I think it should direct us toward other people. But first, it must direct us toward God, because our hearts are restless, and they will not be, and, and they will remain restless until we find our rest. Not in a spouse or friends or whatever. Our hearts will remain restless until we found our rest in Him alone. So, God has a purpose for our loneliness, and it's for us to know Him. It's deeper than we realize. Loneliness is an emotion that is given to us so that we would seek God. And in this sense, loneliness is a redemptive emotion that can bring us nearer to God. So I want you to see that God has a plan for your loneliness, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But listen, God's not the only one with a plan for your loneliness. You have an enemy. The enemy has a purpose for your loneliness as well. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, when I talk about the devil, people always say, you really believe in that stuff, man? (laughs) You know? Uh, Do I believe in a guy in red satin tights uh, with a pitchfork and horns? No. But do I believe that there is a force of darkness 
that tells lies and accuses God's people? Yeah, I do. See, the Bible calls the devil the liar and the accuser. And these are the two things that the enemy will do when you feel lonely. When you experience feelings of loneliness, you are in a place where the enemy wants to strike. And that is where he will tell lies, and that is where he will accuse you. And this is what this looks like. He will lie to you when you are lonely. This is what will happen when you get really lonely, and I've been there. The enemy will lie to you and will say, where is God? He doesn't care about you. The enemy will say to you, man, everybody else is fully fulfilled. Everybody else is satisfied. And look at you alone. Everybody else has somebody, but you are all alone. You're the only one. Everybody else is so happy, and you are alone. No one cares for you. They have abandoned you. This is exactly what David believed. There's no one that takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul, David said. See, when you feel lonely, the enemy will feed you lie after lie after lie after lie. Nobody understands you. Nobody gets you. Nobody has it as bad as you. Your situation is worse than everybody else's. That's the first lie. And then the second lie is the enemy will come in and say, here's the cure for your loneliness. Here's what will make it better. Be a bitter person. You should, you've got permission to just become bitter and cynical and mean and exclude people because nobody's there for you. Or the enemy will say, Here, here's what you need to do. Take another drink. Uh, open that website. You deserve this, man. Nobody else has it as bad as you. Take, take a bite. You can have this because nobody else has it as bad as you. That's how the enemy lies to us. And then that's the enemy's tactic. He lies to you. And then as soon as you take the hook... He switches tactics. He goes from lying to accusing. After he's lied to you and then led you to sabotage your life or your chance at meaningful relationships, then he will accuse you of the very thing you just did. The reason you're alone is because you're so bitter and mean. Nobody could ever love somebody like you. You're so mean. You sabotage everything. You weak little man, the enemy will say to you. You keep looking at that website, you pathetic boy. You see, you have an enemy, he combines lies and accusation, and those two things combined will only increase your loneliness. Be sober-minded, Peter says. Be watchful, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. So I want you to see God has a purpose for your loneliness. It's to draw you nearer to him, and then the enemy has a purpose for your loneliness, and it's to pull you away from God and to sabotage your relationships with everybody else around you and even yourself. So that's a theology of how we deal with uh, the cosmic powers when we're lonely. And you still say, okay, that's some high and mighty lofty theology, um, but I'm still lonely and I need people in my life. How do I deal with my loneliness? Rechannel your loneliness toward others. When you feel lonely, and you go, what is the next step? It is to step toward God and then to step toward others. You rechannel your feelings of loneliness into other people. You see, often in our loneliness, what we do is we turn inward and we begin to think only about ourselves. What do I need? And, and, we, begin, and we begin to serve only our needs. This is what I want. This is what I need. I deserve this because nobody's there for me. 
But then we also, we can also move into this place where we then expect everybody else to cater to us. We expect everybody else to cater to our needs and serve us and do what we need. And we begin to, we begin to grow resentful of people because they're not giving us exactly what we want. But perhaps God has given us the feelings of loneliness, not so that we can be selfish and turn inward, but so that we can empathize with and then reach out to others who are lonely and develop community. You see, all the research shows, and the Bible confirms this, that the best cure for loneliness is to be a part of a community with a common vision. You don't need people who will serve you when you're lonely. You need people you can serve alongside. The cure for your loneliness is not to wait around for somebody to cure it. The cure for your loneliness is to rechannel your feeling of something's missing into a cause that is greater than yourself and into other people. Um, when Corey Ten Boom was a young woman in the Netherlands, she fell head over heels in love with a young man. And she thought this was the man she was going to marry. Um, but he broke off the relationship and he married one of her best friends. Uh, that's heartbreaking. And she was devastated. She was heartbroken. She was lonely. She felt rejected. And while she was crying, her father, full of wisdom, came to her and said, Corey, kind of tough love from a father. He says, Corey, your love has been blocked and he has married somebody else. Now, there are two things that you can do with a blocked love. You can dam it all up inside and hold it up inside, and it will eat you up from the inside out. Or you can rechannel it to something or someone else and can focus on other people's needs, and you can live a life of love meeting other people's needs. And that's exactly what Corey Ten Boom did. Corey Ten Boom was a Christian woman who, for a few, year, who a few, a few years after her heart was broken, she would open her home, risk her life, for Jews who were hiding from the Nazis. And she was imprisoned for this, and when she was released after the war, she founded a rehabilitation center for survivors and developed a community where she experienced great amounts of love given back to her, but also a place where she was able to channel her love toward people who needed it, people who had lost almost everything during the war. And that gave, God gave her loneliness resulted in her giving back to other people, and God gave her back everything she gave in return. This is how God works. We don't wait around for someone to serve us when we're lonely. Rather, our loneliness becomes the thing that empowers us to serve others who are lonely. So when you feel lonely, when you feel like nobody's there to care for you, do not turn inward. As tempting as it is, turn outward. And use your loneliness to empathize with the loneliness of others and serve them. And who is our example of this? Jesus. You see, Jesus, uh, the, the book of Hebrews says that we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with every single one of our weaknesses. Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. And you're like, man, he was surrounded with 12 of his best friends. He had followers. Like, how could he be lonely? <laughs> but Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. Listen, there's no simple cure for overcoming loneliness. We, we, it, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he also said, take heart, I've overcome the world. You see, while the Bible doesn't offer us a step-by-step -step guide for how to never be lonely, it does present us with a Savior who does understand our struggle. Jesus shows that he can say, 
Jesus' life shows us that he can say, I understand. I understand. He really understands. Jesus knew loneliness. He was rejected. He was misunderstood. He experienced loss. He knows what it's like to carry a heavy burden. On the cross, Jesus felt completely forsaken, just like David. Judas betrayed him. Most of his followers fled. Even Peter rejected him. The very people Jesus came to love and serve and save are the ones that called for his crucifixion. They mocked him. They spit on him. They ripped the beard out of his face. They lashed him with razor-sharp whips, stripped him naked, and nailed him on a cross on a hot day in Jerusalem. And you can imagine that in that moment, Jesus felt the pain of loneliness to a degree that you and I could never comprehend. Jesus prayed, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Is there a moment in human history where anybody has ever ever been able to say, I feel alone, than Jesus on the cross? On the cross, he was completely and utterly alone. He took the pain of our loneliness onto himself so that we could find life in his kingdom and so that we could have fellowship with him and with others. David ends his prayer. He prays like this. He says, I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. And this is what he says. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. When you are lonely, here's what I want you to pray. Memorize that passage and say this. God, I'm trusting you that the righteous will surround me and that you will deal bountifully with me. That was David's prayer, and God answered his prayer that day. If you read 1 Samuel 22, this is a great story. David thinks he's all alone. He's being hunted by King Saul, and God sends 400 men. David doesn't know this. God sends 400 men that gather together, they form like a militia, and they go searching for David. And they surround David, and they give him community, they give him hope, and they give him protection. They, 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 God answered his prayer of loneliness. And you know what's funny? This wasn't the people that David would have handpicked. The Bible says it was a bunch of misfits. It says everyone who was in distress, in debt, and bitter in soul came to rescue David. (laughs) So picture this. David's in a cave. He's the rightful king of Israel. And he's going, I'm all alone. Nobody's here to care for me. And then all of a sudden, a group of 400 disgruntled, dysfunctional, dissatisfied people gather around their king. That's not, the David, that's not the people David wanted, but that's the people God sent for him. And I keep going back to that, and I think, what a picture of the church, <laughs> you know? That's God's vision of community. A bunch of imperfect people surrounding their king together, forming a community with a common vision, which is to lift up and, and, and rejoice in who their king is. This is us. This is the church. Look around you. This is the answer to your prayer. Are you lonely? God has given you these people. (laughs) And you're like, sometimes the thing that bugs you the most about church is you're like, these aren't the people I would have picked. You know, I don't like their voices. That guy behind me sings out a key. You know, that other person, you know, like if that person smells funny, give us a break. It's hot. We all smell a little funny right now. But some of the things that most bugs us about the church is you're like, these aren't the people I would have picked. But these are the people that God in his infinite wisdom has chosen for you. 
a bunch of disgruntled, <laughs> in distress, in debt, bitter in soul, disgruntled, dysfunctional people gathered around their king. This is the community of Jesus. You see, the prayer that David prayed, God has also answers for us. He gives us the gift of his church. And he also gives us Jesus, who has promised to never leave us and never forsake us. He is our refuge. The refuge that David prayed about, it is Jesus. Jesus is our portion in the land of the living. Jesus, in him, we have been delivered from our persecutors. In him, we have been brought out of prison. We have been delivered. In him, we have been dealt bountifully with. This is the hope of the gospel. Are you lonely? You were created to know God. And that feeling of loneliness is a check engine light of your soul telling you that you were meant to know God. Are you lonely? Be sober-minded. Don't let your enemy lie to you in this moment because you are in a, a vulnerable situation where you can be lied to. Do not believe the lies, but be sober-minded. Are you lonely? You are not alone. Jesus understands. He knows what it's like. And so if you're lonely, give yourself like Jesus for the sake of others, and he will deal bountifully with you. Are you lonely? Jesus has given himself for you so that you can have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven, where there will be no more crying, where God himself will wipe away our tears, and there will be a community of people with a common vision from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. We will gather around the throne of our king, a bunch of imperfect people, and we will be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. There is a community that God wants to give you, but you must first know him. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for the gospel, which not only saves us from our sin and puts us in a relationship with you, but the gospel also gives us a home in the family of God. And so God, we thank you for the family of God. We thank you for the global church. We thank you that today there are people singing of your son and your cross and your resurrection in every country on this planet. We thank you that throughout this city today, there have been churches gathering together, singing of your fame and your renown. God, we thank you for the big church, but we also thank you for the little church, individual churches. We thank you for this church, Crossroads Christian Church, a community of people that you have given to each of us so that we can know you and know one another. We pray, God, do something about our loneliness, and you have because you've given us a family of faith. And so, God, would you show us that you have answered our prayers in one another. God, thank you that you have died for us so that we would never have to die and that you have been forsaken on the cross so that we will never be forsaken by you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.